You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Alright, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmer-Sandler here. I am your host. And I hope you all are doing well. Hope you all enjoyed last week's episode with the Man of Steel, Mike Werner, returning to the podcast. If you haven't checked that out already, please go back in the podcast archives wherever you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Podbean, Anchor.fm, wherever you get your fine podcast formats. Go back and listen to that. Mike and I talked about for about an hour there. We talked about his conversations with the American Nightmare, Cody Rhodes. That's right, Cody Rhodes getting his name back. Uh, his friendship with former Impact Women's Champion, Deanna Perrazzo. Uh, his time and uh, conversations with Cody. The the impromptu brawl run-in that him and JT Dunn had with Hangman Adam Page and Cody Rhodes last year to promote AEW. It's a great, fun conversation. Uh, always great to have Mike back on. Mike, if you listen, brother, thanks for coming back on. Hope you're doing well. Anyway, there's a lot that's happened in the past week in the world of professional wrestling. AEW Full Gear was this past Saturday, and oh my God, what an amazing show. I absolutely love this show. So we're going to kick things off with what happened in uh, Dynamite last night and uh, what happened with Full Gear. But we're going to get to Full Gear first. So... Full Gear, right off the bat, I'm going to say, is a potential show of the year. Like I said, it had the potential being show of the year. Do I think it's show of the year? I'm not sure if it's show of the year. It might be show of the year as far as the COVID era goes. As far as the best shows for, for what's going on with COVID and you know limited capacity of fans slash no fans, it's probably the best for that. But we have to remember there were shows this year where we did have full capacity and fans in attendance, so we kind of have to outweigh that. But we'll talk about shows of the year, matches of the year later in December. For now, I will have to say it probably is the best show as far as the COVID era of wrestling. Um, every Just about every match top to bottom was fantastic. My favorite matches of the night um, were definitely... The Bucks versus FTR, Hangman Page versus Kenny Omega. Uh, I loved Cody versus Darby and Moxley versus Eddie Kingston. Um, just about every match delivered. Uh, I felt like the weakest match was probably Sheeta and Nyla Rose, even though that wasn't a bad match at all. It was a good match. Um, I really enjoyed uh, just the whole card up and down. MJF and Chris Jericho is really great. And now MJF is now in the inner circle along with Wardlow. I love the stuff going on there. But we'll talk about uh, my favorite parts of Full Gear. Like I said, we'll talk about FTR and the Bucks first. So this was a match that we as wrestling fans have been wanting for years. We've been wanting it for years. And I think this this all kind of happened like, you know, 2016, 2017, where the Bucks are like having these amazing matches in Ring of Honor and the Independent Circuit and New Japan. And FTR, then known as The Revival, were having these great 
tag team matches and bringing tag team wrestling back, you know, having matches with the likes of, you know, Enzo and Cass, uh, American Alpha, and their most notable feud being with uh, DIY, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa. And a lot of people will say that DIY versus the uh, Revival is the greatest NXT tag team match of all time. And it's hard to dispute that. You know, um, the Revival then were having all these great matches and the Young Bucks were having these great matches and everybody all over the internet was going, well, the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world. No, the Revival are the best tag team in the world. And they kind of took shots at each other on... uh, being the elite, they took shots at each other. Cody would just simply say, fuck the revival uh, every now and again. Um, they put FTR to, you know, kind of like, you know, F, you know, fuck the revival or F the revival. Um, r- the revival would retaliate with putting FTR on their gear and saying forever the revival. So it was something that was speculated forever, but something we didn't actually think we'd get to see until AEW came around. AEW comes around now. Everyone's like, "Oh, we want, we want the revival there." You know, Shinsuke Nakamura should go there. Uh, you know, like, what if AJ went there? And you know, like Cesaro and they, they, all these people who are underutilized in WWE to go there. And we have gotten some of those people there, like we mentioned, FTR, uh, Brody Lee, Sean Spears, formerly Ty Dillinger, uh, Miro, formerly known as Rusev. You know, some uh, former WWE guys and girls have gone over to AEW, but then came the time a uh, FTR, they debuted in AEW, and uh, a lot, of, I think the only downside to this was the build, and that the build may have not been the greatest as far as leading to the Bucks and, uh, the, and FTR in the tag match. I mean, the match was booked only a couple weeks prior to uh prior to uh, Full Gear and you know the the hype may have not been as great as what we expected as far as the build but the match definitely delivered and in my opinion it was the best match on the card and I think it definitely lived up to the hype I I had a feeling that maybe AEW wanted to kind of uh, maybe wait till fans were back in attendance but I don't know I think they definitely wanted to strike while the iron was hot. Even definitely adding the added stipulation of if the Bucks lose, you know, they can't ever <clears throat> uh, challenge for the tag titles ever again. And when I saw that, I was texting with Sean, and I'm like, do you really think they're going to do this again? He's like, well, it looks like... The, actually, he texts me and goes, well, it looks like the Bucks are never going to win the tag titles. I'm like, I mean, I get Cody, you know. I can see them doing with one of the guys in the elite, one of the popular guys in the elite, not challenging for the top title. But the Bucks, the Young Bucks, arguably the most popular tag team in the past four or five years, the the, the tag team of the decade, best tag team in the world in my opinion, and a lot of people's opinion, they're pop, of how popular they are, do you really think... They're not going to challenge the tag titles every, anymore, as far as a business a business standpoint. You really think Tony Khan's not going to want to put the tag titles on the Young Bucks? Maybe the Young Bucks didn't want to win and run away. I remember reading a report apparently that the Bucks wanted to wait even longer to to win the tag titles. You know that they, they wanted to wait another year, and 
but apparently Tony Khan wanted to he uh, wanted to put the tag titles on the Bucks. I guess Tony, uh, Tony Khan has the you know I guess he kind of has is the trump card since he's the president of the company. But overall, this match was fantastic. Calling back to a bunch of old tag teams, the finishers of, of guys that they were they were influenced by as commentary put on uh, uh, put on notice. You know, <clears throat> FTR doing the Steiner Brothers finisher, uh, FTR doing the heart uh, heart attack, the Young Bucks doing the 3D and the twist of fate into the Swanton Bomb. I mean, after the Steiner Brothers finish uh, finisher. Uh, Cash Wheeler, he just freaking sh- was shot out of a cannon with that running spear, you know. Towards the end of the match, him doing the the 450 splash, them working over Matt's ankle, and then you know uh, Dax hurting his hand, and then and then the Bucks working over his head. It was really really. Good. These guys have such great chemistry together. They're definitely not done with each other. They're definitely not done because I know that the FTR are gonna want the tag titles back, and. Again, the the one main downside to all of this is because is um you know this not being in a capacity crowd like a full capacity crowd of, of fans, and you know it happening during COVID. But I guess at the same time, you still want to book your matches, your top level matches to to draw people. You know, especially with like COVID. You know, a lot of people have kind of tuned out of wrestling because. Of the no fans thing, you know? I mean, it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard to watch wrestling. But, you know, I think, again, the Bucks and FTR just delivered. The storytelling that they had, you know, years of this building up. I, I The overall build to the match may have not been the greatest and may have been rushed as far as AEW goes. But this is something the fans have wanted forever. And I say it definitely led to the hype as far as the match goes. The Bucks are the new AEW Tag Team Champions. And we'll see how long they hold on the tag titles for. They were the babyfaces in this match. And Kenny Omega did come out and celebrate with them after they won. But Hangman Adam Page was kind of... He was in one of the walkways. And he was staring just watching in the back. And, you know, this... Again, this whole story with Omega, the Bucks, and Adam Page... It's it's not done, and there's still more to more of what's going on, you know. I'm sure Kenny's Kenny again, t- <laughs> still kind of teasing the the cleaner uh, character, and are the Bucks gonna kind of turn heel, or the Kenny gonna go full heel? Is Adam Page gonna go heel? I mean, that that was announced as well, you know, Moxley versus versus uh, Omega on this December second episode of Dynamite. And um, you got Kenny and, and Hangman just beating the shit out of each other, man. That was a really great match. That opened the show, and that, I think that was a great way to open the show with uh, Page and Omega. You know, it's kind of like, where does that Hangman Adam Page go now? Because he's kind of just like, you know, lurking. I don't think he was on Dynamite this week. Uh, you know, and Darby and Cody was really good. I predicted Darby to win, and apparently this was the actual plan. And apparently, like, you know, AEW didn't want to give Brody Lee the uh, the TNT t- title, but apparently he was doing such good work that they gave it to him for a bit while Cody was off. And apparently Cody was supposed to hang on. T- apparently this was, I'm guessing this was the original plan. If Cody was never meant to drop it, 
I'm guessing it was meant for Cody to to win it and then for him to put over Darby, which is great for Darby. I mean, it added to the story of that, you know, Darby could never beat Cody. Or he was just this close, and he's just close but no cigar. But Darby and Cody have really great chemistry together. Uh, One of Darby Allen's, I would say, one of his best matches in AEW. Like, this one, his first match with Cody... Um, his world title match with Jericho, uh, his match with Pack and Moxley, uh, the one with Mo- the first one he had with Moxley on when uh, the crowd was still around, that those matches are incredible. Darby Allen to me, he is the future of AEW. It's him. He is the top babyface in AEW to me. Um, there are a few other guys who could fill that role. You know, you have Sammy Guevara. And you have Jungle Boy, but to me, it's Darby Allen. Darby Allen, he is a crossover star. You know, adults love him, kids love him. You know, kids dress up. You've seen on on Instagram and Twitter the kids dressed up as him for Halloween. He has a uh, a Rey Mysterio type quality with kids, um, and he's cool like like Jeff Hardy. <clears throat> he's got a very unique quality to him, and he's a very unique character. Uh, one that we haven't really seen too much of. And Darby Allen is now the new TNT champion. He seems to be feuding with uh, Team Taz, whether it be Ricky Starks or Brian Cage, because they beat up on, on Darby and Cody after the match. And they were kind of fighting over the title. But so I don't think Team Taz is going to implode just yet. And then Moxley and Kingston. Eddie Kingston, his rise has been incredible. From coming in, doing an ch- open challenge to Cody for the TNT title, that match got him a job, and he's been killing it. He really wasn't supposed to be in this position, but he's just been so good with his work. His promo work has been excellent. You know, he was just, they had a pre-interview uh, before the pay-per-view started in the buy-in, and Mox, uh, I'm sorry, Kingston was just very serious. He's like, I think the interviewer asked him about, about Pac coming back. He's like, I don't care that Pac's back. I don't care about anything. I just care that John Moxley is the world championship, and that's all I care about right now. That's my main focus. And usually Eddie Kingston's very outspoken, and he's very, you know, running his mouth. But that night he was super focused, focused in on trying to win the world title. Uh, Moxley won, which was expected, and now we're going to be getting Omega versus Moxley uh, for the title. And I was figuring maybe they'd wait for a pay-per-view, but the next pay-per-view is Revolution. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, can they wait that long? Because I don't know. I mean, I think if they really want to maybe get a boost in the ratings, they 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 put Omega, the title on Omega on TV. That would be interesting. Um, I think that match is going to be really great. We've seen in the past Moxley and Omega go at it, and it was in a hardcore match. Now it's a straight-up like one-on-one contest, which favors Kenny Omega and the kayfabe side of things. And it's more of his style, where Moxley is more of you know for hardcore-esque type of stuff. I've been saying for months, Kenny Omega is going to be the one to drop the title to. Oh, sorry. Kenny Omega is going to be the one to beat John Moxley for the title. Moxley will drop the title to Kenny Omega 
And hopefully this will build to a Hangman Adam Page versus Kenny Omega feud down the line where, excuse me, for my money, I would wait until All Out of next year. I would wait until All Out of next year or or, or Full Gear, one or the other. But All Out has more significance because I think I said this a few weeks ago or last week, maybe on the post part of the interview with Mike, that All Out has a big significance for Hangman Adam Page. All Out is where him and Kenny lost the tag titles and where he lost his opportunity to become world champion against Chris Jericho at the first All Out pay-per-view. So, I think the significance there would be really good. It'd also be really good for Full Gear because that's where Kenny beat Hangman to become the number one contender to beat Moxley for the championship. But I will say, I don't really know where all this is going. And that's good, you know? Sometimes it's good to not know where things are going or not expect to see where things are going for wrestling because that's what makes us excited. That's what entices us. That's what makes wrestling fun, you know? But I can't wait to see what happens next with AEW and what happens with Omega and Moxley. Moxley and Omega should be a a match of the year contender for sure. The big thing that I want to talk about, the few things about Dynamite I want to talk about. First, I want to get the uh, this segment out of the way first. All right. I'll talk about the few things that stood out the most Dynamite this week. So, for one, um, Cody comes to the ring, cuts an in-ring promo, and, you know, I'm expecting something pretty big. You know, when Cody has an in-ring segment, you know, it's pretty important. Cody is, like, arguably the best Mike guy in AEW and one of the best Mike guys in professional wrestling right now. So when you listen to him, you want to pay attention. So he comes out here, he congratulates Darby Allen, and he says, what's next for Cody Rhodes? What's next for me? And although some of you may think that I want my rematch for the TNT Championship, myself and Arn Anderson have talked, and we don't want that championship match just yet. And then he says how he wants, he calls out MJF, and he wants a rematch to MJF. But then... MJF doesn't come out. Instead, this girl comes out in a red dress. She's shredded, blonde hair, and her name is Jade Cargill. The name sounds familiar. I feel like I've seen her before. But what <laughs> But what showed to me is that she's very green on the mic. Very green on the mic. This segment was very, very. It was. It was. Um, it was not great. Um, I mean, I guess they must see something in her to come out here and call out Cody. I mean, I think she. I think she. She seemed to be nervous, and it may have not so much been her delivery in certain things, but it's who she was representing. 
there were rumors running rampant that Ryback was going to be joining AEW. And when I saw, you know, then she called Jody, she apparently called Cody the giant killer, the giant slayer. And she took offense to this. When a real giant has awoken and you've pissed him off. And I'm like, is this how they introduce Ryback? And then she's like, oh, Cody, congratulations on getting your name back. You may have two names, but he only needs one. And that's Shaq. And I'm like, wait a minute. Shaq? Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal is coming to AEW. Um, honestly, the best part of this was Brandy coming down and talking smack to her. Just going full ghetto on this on this chick. It's like, y'all, you can come down here and insult my man. Come on my stage and my show. Get your ass off my stage, bitch, before I beat it. And then she just, as Brand- and then so she, the girl backs off, and then Brandy starts to leave, and then she taps her in the ass, and then uh, Jerry Lynn gets in between the two of them. Brian Cage comes down. Ricky Starks comes down. They beat up Kobe, Cody. Then Darby Allen comes down and for the save. This segment was, was very strange. I mean... Apparently Shaquille O'Neal is coming to AEW and I'm not looking forward to this at all. I am not looking forward to this at all. Um I'm just going to wait and see what happens, but so far I am not excited about this. Um I understand Cody's kind of a main he's a real mainstream guy and he, uh, a lot of people know who he is. Um, but to put him against Shaq, uh, uh, man, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I just got to wait and see, but this isn't, I, I would have rather have Ryback. <laughs> at least Ryback can fucking wrestle, you know, to a certain, to a certain extent. He, at least he trained to be a wrestler. Shaquille O'Neal to celebrity coming in. You know, I would have been more okay with Mike Tyson coming in because he's a fucking boxer. But I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens with, with Shaq and Cody. Jesus Christ. I can't believe I just said that. Um, the other things that happened on AEW that I wanted to put a spotlight on was the MJF's Inner Circle Coronation. That was great. That was hilarious. He was just rip. He was ripping off Donald Trump, and he was ripping off Drake lyrics, and Ortiz called him out for it. He's like, Ortiz, I don't know what you mean, fam. It's like, I started from the bottom, and now I'm here. Uh, and, you know, and they're all going to Vegas next week. They're all backstage, the interview, and Sammy's like, where the hell were you guys? You see, the email said you meet me at the beach. Where the hell? I just saw you were out there. So there's definite inner turmoil with the inner circle. MJF is definitely, I mean, he's trying to come in and fuck shit up. I mean, we're definitely going to see an MJF versus Sammy Guevara match in the near future. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we get that match at Revolution. Um, maybe like, you know, Sammy's kicked out of the inner circle and MJF is, uh, Jericho's new protege. Um, Santana's kind of just like, eh, cool, whatever. Like the, they saw, saw the pictures of them going to, of the tickets going to Vegas and Sammy's like, Hey, going to Vegas, I guess. And Santana goes on Twitter. I don't say no to free shit. Let's just go. <laughs> uh, Wardlow and Jake Hager keeps locking eyes with each other. There's a lot in this one picture, you know. Ortiz and Sammy are not happy about this. You know, they're not happy with, with MJF in the inner circle. Uh, Jericho's happy. MJF is happy. Santana seems to be happy. He's going along with shit. But Jake Hager and Wardlow keep locking eyes with each other. Like, I'm ready for this shit to implode. And there's so much more storytelling to be done. 
this has to be leading to a bigger match. I mean, this could probably lead to MJF versus Sammy Guevara, like I said, you know, and, and then this is the start of Sammy Guevara's babyface turn. This is the start to move Sammy into his own thing, and I think it's really helped him and his brand with Jericho to be aligned with the inner circle, but now, you know, he's uh, becoming a household name for himself, and I think, mark my words, I think we're going to see MJF versus Sammy Guevara at Revolution this year. I, I definitely think we're going to see Sammy versus uh, ver versus MJF at, Re at Revolution. Whether they're still inner circle, maybe it's a loser leaves inner circle match. Maybe. It could be that. And then maybe we'll get Jericho and Guevara to feud together. Who, who knows? Who knows? Uh, but I'm really excited about that. Had to talk about that for a bit. And then the last thing, real quickly, to talk about with AEW. The Bastard is back. Pac is back on AEW. Pentagon and Ray Phoenix had in another amazing match. Eddie Kingston was on commentary. And the commentary team was like, you know, you seem to be, you know... Pushing their buttons and you're be instigating the Lucha Brothers to fight each other. Nah, I'm not, I'm not instigating. I'm not instigating anything. I'm not instigating nothing, you know. Penta's my best friend and Phoenix, yeah, you know, Phoenix is Phoenix. He's a good guy, I guess, you know. And Penta won this match. You know, they were ripping each other's, trying to rip each other's masks off. They were chopping the shit out of each other. Really beating the shit out of each other in this match. And the end of it saw, you know, that's that's my best friend. That's my best friend, Penthouse RM. You did it. You did it, brother. Great job. Great match. And then he's, like, kicking Phoenix out of the ring. Ah, yeah, yeah, you too, great. Like, you don't need him. You don't need no dead weight. You don't need your brother. He's holding you back. And then Pac comes back, and Pac's like, Eddie Kingston, did you really think I wasn't paying attention? And then Pac just wanted to go and fucking go after Eddie Kingston. Because remember, Pac and the Lucha Brothers formed Death Triangle right before COVID happened. And Eddie Kingston took the Lucha Brothers to his faction. So we make it some thing of, you know, who does Pen who do Penta and Ray align themselves with? Maybe Ray only aligns himself with Pac. And maybe Penta stays with Eddie Kingston. Who knows? But this is another another great match. I cannot wait to see the bastards back. I mean, I figured if Pete Dunn's coming back, surely Pac must have been coming back. And I'm glad to see that he's back in AEW. I, I've I I have missed Pac so much, and I felt like they would have had really big plans for him this year had COVID not gotten in the way when he was stuck in in uh, the UK all this time. Uh, but again, I'm probably figuring, you know, we're probably going to get maybe Eddie Kingston and Pac very shortly, very soon. I wouldn't probably wouldn't say Revolution because it's probably a little too far out. But but we're definitely getting Eddie Kingston versus Pac, and uh, I cannot wait. Maybe this is the start of a bit of a babyface turn for Pac, and he, you know, he's always been a great heel, proper heel. But now get a babyface Pac. I have to wait and see. But Dynamite this week. I feel like it was uh, it was hard to try and top full gear this past weekend. It was really hard to try and pull it off. I'd say I'd give Dynamite a solid B, um, B minus even. It was a it was a good show. Um, th there may have been some negatives there, but the positives definitely outweigh the negatives. You know, putting Penta and Ray in the main event of your show that's always going to be a, a banger of a match, and having Pat come out after the after the match is over, to confront Eddie Kingston, what more could you want? Oh, and then the National Nightmares actually had a really great match with Butcher and the Blade. 
I actually really enjoyed that a lot. And I'm not a big fan of Butcher and Blade, but this was pretty fun. It was a nice, uh, hard, some kind of hardcore tag team match. It was great. Dustin Rhodes, man, he's fucking fit in his 50s, and he should not be moving the way he does. You know? But, you know, but with one bastard returning to the States, there's another bastard returning to the States. That's Pete Dunne. And Pat McAfee, Danny Birch, Oni Lorcan. These guys have been, I got to say, they got big plans for him. They definitely got big plans for him. I'm still saying, war games, people. War games. NXT, war games. Undisputed Era versus Pat McAfee, Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan, and Pete Dunne. Seeing the segment where they burn the Undisputed Era flag, Pat McAfee going to Pete Dunne saying, just... Describing the history of uh, the Undisputed Era. And Pete Dunne play, uh, you know, saying that Roderick Strong betrayed him. And he, and he le- I learned a lesson from him. And I taught that, taught that same lesson to Kyle O'Reilly. Because it makes sense. When Pete Dunne was there to help O'Reilly, why would Pete Dunne want to help Kyle O'Reilly? Why would he want to help Kyle O'Reilly? The Undisputed Era has been a thorn in his side for years. Roderick Strong betrayed him in the NXT tag, uh, tag Team title match to take over New Orleans uh, and the uh, Dusty Cup winners. He, Roderick Strong betrayed him to join UE. There was, they had the War Games match where Dunn was with Ricochet and the, and the War Raiders. You know, Dunn was trying to go after... The, uh, you know, the North American Championship at one point. And having matches with Adam Cole. He defended, I think, the UK Championship against Adam Cole, maybe. If I'm not mistaken. You know, and then they had the Broserweights versus uh, Fish and O'Reilly earlier this year at TakeOver Portland. Why would Pete Dunne want to help Kyle O'Reilly? Why would he want to help the Undisputed Era? He hates the Undisputed Era. As shocking as it may have been to see him there. The overall heel turn is not shocking at all. Him joining this faction is not shocking. Because, storyline, it makes complete sense. Danny Burch and Oni Lorcan getting their two cents in. Pretty much saying that they've been overlooked and overutilized forever because of the Undisputed Era. They believe they're the best tag team and because of them, because of the UE, they never got the proper spotlight. Now they do. They're the NXT Tag Team Champions now. And I gotta say... Pat McAfee, man, he fucking gets it. He fucking gets it. I'm pretty sure you all you all heard that. Um, he fucking gets it, man. He is a heel who doesn't care about being cheered or booed, and that's something that NXT really needs. Christian, when Edge and Christian had their podcast. He always said that. He's like, you know, all these guys and girls are great in NXT, but they could really benefit from someone just being a straight-up heel and not giving a fuck about what the fans think. That's something that could really benefit NXT for the long run, and that's what they have with Pat McAfee. I mean, the guy's smart. He gets it. He just really hones in on being a heel. He doesn't care about being cheered. He doesn't care about what people on the internet think. He doesn't care. And for him to be the leader of this faction is, I think it's perfect. Plus, he can learn. I know he's still learning how to wrestle. He can learn a lot 
from guys like Pete Dunne, Oni Lorcan, and Danny Burch. Guys who have been in the wrestling business for years. McAfee can learn a lot from these guys just by picking their brain. You know, two of them being in the British independent scene forever. Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch. Uh, Pete Dunne, well, not Oni Lorcan being in the British independent scene, but you know what I mean. Pat McAfee gets it, and it's safe to say he's the top heel on NXT. Safe to say he's the top heel on NXT. Um, a shocking thing that happened this past week is that Johnny Gargano lost the NXT cha- uh, NXT North American Championship to, and I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I'm going to pull it up here. Because he had the wheel, and he rigged it. Uh, Johnny Gargano, he defended the title against Leon Ruff, and then with the distraction thanks to... Uh, Damian Priest, Leon Ruff won the title. And that was very shocking. The reel was obviously, that Gargano spin, it was obviously rigged. So it could be uh, Leon Ruff. Gargano thinking get a, a quick win. But Leon Ruff won the title. And I say, what a hell of a way to rocket strap a, t- uh, a young guy like that. First of all, I didn't even know who the fuck this guy was. And he won the NXT Championship, NXT North American Championship. Uh, good for him. I guess they have big plans for him. I guess they see a lot in his future. And um, next week, apparently, we're going to be getting a uh, Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai. Uh, that should be a really, really great match. We haven't really seen them square off in a while. I mean, Io initially won the NXT uh, Women's Championship from. Rhea Ripley technically in the triple threat match with her with with you know Ripley, Shirai, and Charlotte. Uh, and I forgot to mention that the Bucks, the Young Bucks, are going to be defending the AEW Tag Titles against uh, Top Flight next week on AEW. But uh, we're getting uh, Shirai versus Ripley, and that probably will be the main event. I'd have to say that I'd still think Io Shirai retains because I'm not particularly sure if Rhea Ripley is going to take the title off of Io Shirai. If anybody, I'd probably think it's going to be Tony Storm or Ember Moon, you know? I, I would have to say it's Ember Moon or Tony Storm, and they've been building them up to be as credible challengers for Io Shirai's championship. As much as I would love it to be Candice LeRae, it's not going to be Candice LeRae. I love Candice LeRae, and I want her to win the championship from Io Shirai, but uh, I think she will win the title at some point. It's just, I guess it's just not her time yet. It's just not in the cards. Believe me, if Candice Ray was listening to this, I want to be wrong. I want her to win the championship. But who knows? We will, again, we will have to wait and see how this all plays out. Um, Just so you know, guys, this is going to be a bit of a short one. You know, I've had a pretty busy week, and I'm pretty fucking tired. I had a long-ass day today. So I won't keep you on here for too much longer. Um, News about AEW having... Video games. AEW are going to be releasing a video game. They're going to be releasing, uh, I think, something for the Oculus. Obviously, for all our gaming consoles. That's out there. I saw graphics with Wishita, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho. AEW is going to be getting a video game. And the one thing I saw from it, because, again, I don't know all the details there. But from what I've seen, again, busy week, guys. I got a day job, remember? I have seen uh, it was Kenny Omega, Aubrey Edwards, uh, Cody Rhodes and I believe it was Britt Baker. They were all dressed up like Steve Jobs presenting AEW games like at a convention for the new uh, iPhone or iPad or some shit. 
that was pretty funny. So another big news that happened is that apparently the Bellas are going to be teasing a return to the ring. Um, me, personally, I'm not so sure how... I mean, I don't really care. I don't hate it, but I don't necessarily care all that much. Um, I mean, it would be good, because I think the women's division could use some star power. It's lacking a bit, especially in the tag division. You know, they retire, and then they introduce the tag belts. I'm like, fuck. Um, hopefully, you know, maybe we could probably see a... Uh, a match between the Iconics and the Bellas one day. Hopefully, I'm still hanging on to that one day. But um, who knows? Uh, but I think the Bellas coming back to WWE would be a smart move for WWE in, in, in that regard. I'm not sure if they would come back anytime soon with COVID going on. And, you know, Daniel Bryan, well, Bryan's there. But with, uh, you know, they have a. Bree and Nikki just had their uh, their babies. They just had their boys. So not particularly sure if they want to go out there and work in the pandemic at the moment. But, you know, I think it would be a smart business move to bring the Bellas back to WWE. A lot of fans would be interested in it. I'd be interested in it. Fuck it. Why not? WWE have also announced that Survivor Series will be the 30th anniversary of The Undertaker. And I guess this is the way to say goodbye to The Undertaker. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Um, but we have an update on the Survivor Series card. So far, it is Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, Lashley versus Sami Zayn, Asuka versus Sasha Banks, The New Day versus The Street Profits, AJ Lee. Uh, a- Excuse me, AJ Styles, Ke- uh, Keith Lee, Sheamus, Braun Strowman, and Matt Riddle. Sorry, just Riddle. Fuck. Kevin Owens, Jey Uso, King Corbin, Seth Rollins, and one final spot that remains to be seen. I would probably put my money on Big E if I was a betting man. Uh, and then Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Mandy Rose, Dana Brooke, and Lana versus Bianca Belair, Ruby Riot, and uh, one more. Well, a few more, actually. A few more spots need to be put on there. I don't see why Liv Morgan wouldn't go on there. Is this just SmackDown as well? Oh, yeah, and it says Undertaker will bid his final farewell. Um, We'd all like to think that this is going to be it for Taker, right? We all would like to think that this will be the end for Taker. Maybe he kind of you know breaks kayfabe and says goodbye. But I don't know. I feel like they're going to try and book one last match with Taker. I mean, I, I hope they don't because, you know, he kept coming out of retirement because, like, I don't like the match I had. It wasn't good enough, you know. It, it, I just don't like it. Like, he kept coming out of retirement because he wasn't happy with the outcome of the match that he had. I mean, sometimes you don't get you don't ha- get to have a great retirement match. We all can't be Shawn Michaels. And not to say that Undertaker is not great. Taker's one of the best wrestlers ever. You can argue he's the best wrestler ever. He's the greatest character in professional wrestling ever. I just hope they don't try and book another match with him. I hope they give him a good farewell. I hope this is a special thing that they do that they do for Undertaker because Survivor Series was the pay-per-view that debuted The Undertaker. It started his legacy, so to speak. Um I I remember I've watched Undertaker as a kid growing up, and just seeing him as I get older as an adult, it's just like, dude, come on, 
you just just gotta let it go, man. Taker had a great career, and no one's ever gonna take that away from him. I think his match with AJ was a it was a great way to kind of ride off in the sunset. Um, it's a shame that I've said it before. It's a shame that we couldn't get AJ versus Taker in a um, in a proper one on one match because AJ probably would have brought him to one last great match. AJ would have really carried him and helped him out. Uh, but let's just hope that this is a celebration of Taker's career and not a way to book another match. Um, I said a few weeks ago that it's possible that we may not see Randy Orton versus Roman Reigns, and we might not because totally not general manager Adam Pearce. I mean, Adam Pearce is so not the general manager of Raw SmackDown. Am I right? Uh he booked uh, Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre for next week's Raw, and Randy was not happy about it by choking him and putting him against the wall. Uh, McIntyre, New Day, beat Miz, John Morrison, and Randy Orton. And I guess I would have to say I really want it to be Drew. I want Drew to win the championship back, but I'm not sure if they're going to do it. I'm not sure if they're going to have Drew win the title back from Randy. Because honestly, Drew versus Roman is more of a match I want to see. Um, But I don't know if they're going to want either guy to take a pinfall loss. I feel like with Randy, they could do that. And it wouldn't hurt him too much. Drew, it might hurt him, you know. Even though that's the that's the match I want to see more, I I don't know. I feel like they're probably just gonna stick with Randy and Roman and do that, and I don't know. Cause the Fiend might the Fiend might still win. The Fiend could still win the title from him. The Miz could still cash in. I could see Miz cashing in on Randy at Survivor Series. Um, I don't know. He he could, but <sighs> the Money in the Bank briefcase was such a waste this year, you know. It really was such a fucking waste. I know. I really wish like we could have had a better outcome with that. But I will say, and I'll give a little plug to friends of mine, that the Making Kayfabe podcast rebooked a story with Otis winning the Money in the Bank briefcase and turning him into a legitimate title contender. I've been listening to these guys for a little bit now. They they shot me a follow on Twitter, on the podcast Twitter, and on my personal Twitter, and been loving their stuff lately. I highly recommend this is if you love fantasy booking, if you love uh, tr- uh, coming up with stuff even in your own head about how things could have been. These guys have some great episodes to listen to. You definitely want to check out the one with Otis, the Summer of Punk. And the story of how Ty Dillinger and Mike Kanellis became a tag team. That's right, how they became a tag team. They talk about how they were floundering, Ty Dillinger was doing nothing, so they form a tag team, you know, go on. And it leads to a long book story, winning the tag titles, going off and tension between the two. It builds a long-term mid-card story that leads to a very big pay-per-view. Again, not going to spoil this one either. Just go to Making Kayfabe on your all your podcast formats, wherever you listen to it, just like we listen to ours. Give them a follow, a subscribe, 
They're great guys, great content to listen to. And with that being said, I think I am going to wrap it up here. I'm sorry, guys, for making this a little short. I don't have a whole lot of time on my hands. Again, this week has been very busy for me. Uh, work myself has been just stressful. Well, not stressful, but just, just kind of busy and chaotic, you know? Life, real life, you know? But I will, before we go, I will go to a couple polls I put up on the on the podcast Twitter, at TNAWP. Um, and I put out a tweet, a couple tweets. And I asked you guys a couple questions. And one of the questions I asked, as far as the polls went, I asked how you rate AEW Full Gear. 88% of you said A. 13% of you said B. From a ranking of gradients of A to D. Now, probably should have talked about this from the AEW portion of the podcast, but I'll make this really quickly. Which match, I asked, was better? Was it the Bucks versus Omega and Page, or was it the Bucks versus FTR? This one won by a landslide. 83% of you said Bucks versus Omega and Page was better compared to 17% of you that said Bucks versus FTR was better. And I have to agree with the majority. The Bucks versus Omega and Page was just better. One, it was in front of the crowd. Two, the story was built better. And the match was fucking amazing. And it was in and it was in Chicago, a full capacity capacity crowd in Chicago. What more could you want than that? Young Bucks and FTR is definitely one like in the top ten of best matches of the year, in my opinion. But to me, the Bucks versus Omega and Page, it's still my match of the year. And it probably will still be match of the year by the by the time December comes around when we do top ten matches of twenty twenty. So I will end it on that. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, please be sure to be following us on TNAWP on Twitter, the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Instagram, and the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Facebook. I mentioned earlier how you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Podbean, where you can find our fine podcast formats. So please be sure to listening to the Making Kayfabe podcast. Good buddies, good guys, really, really great content to listen to if you want to keep listening to more wrestling podcasts. But obviously, come back and listen to this one. Of course you do. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all staying safe in this crazy, crazy world we are living in. And it's good that we have each other. It's good that we have pro wrestling. I am CJ Palmisano. Thank you all so much for listening. Also, please be sure to listen to the Mike Vernon interview from last week. I'll see you next time.